Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of the Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk Podcast. I'm your Executive Director, Dave Summers, and I have the distinct pleasure and honor today to be here sitting with Chief Justice of the Nebraska Supreme Court, Justice Mike Hefekin. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Thank you so much for uh, coming down to meet with me. It's uh, always great to have interaction with the bar, so I appreciate it. And we are sitting here in the um, conference room outside your chambers Mm -hmm. here at the state capitol. It is a wonderful building, Mm -hmm. an amazing room. Um, I I feel nervous just sitting here because of the the really wonderful architectural features of this room. Um, Pretty impressive digs you have here, um, Mr. Chief Justice. Thank you. Um, We are sitting here today not only because we want to get some background on you and your career, uh, also because you are the 2018 recipient of the Omaha Bar Association Robert M. Spider Public Service Award for your lifetime of public service. And so on behalf of the Omaha Bar, I want to thank you for all that service and we're so delighted to uh, give you that award at our Law Day lunch coming up here on May 1st. And thank Uh, you for giving me the award. That's (laughs) above and beyond the call of duty. That's very good. And, um, and for those of you listening to the podcast, if you'd like to come to the, uh, the luncheon, it is on May 1st again, and details are on the Omaha Bar Association website. Um, I don't want to waste any more time, but I'd love to get from you, sort of going back to the beginning, your, your story growing up. Um, I understand that you're born and raised here in Nebraska, correct? Correct. And um, uh, outstate, though, not, not in the Omaha-Lincoln area? We call that Greater Nebraska. <laughs> greater, greater Nebraska, right. <laughs> Colfax County, actually. Schuyler. Outside of Schuyler, I was raised on a farm. So I uh, have very uh, deep roots in Nebraska. can trace uh, some of my uh, ancestors back to 1869 or 1870 or so. So uh, a very long history, and most of those roots are in Colfax County. Wonderful. And when you were... Um, you know, in, in middle school, high school, uh, all that. Uh, did you get any trouble on, on the farm out there in Colfax County? <laughs> Are there any stories you, you want to you tell them? Uh, none whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, ju- I think back to Judge Strom. He, he had about 20 minutes of, of stories of him as <laughs> his, his youth. So. <laughs> I actually attended a one-room school through the eighth grade. Uh, and uh, I don't, I don't know that that makes you any less prone to uh, pranks and so forth. But uh, I, I, I don't know that I recall anything uh, particularly exciting about either grade school or high school. And then um, going to college, you're, you're a Cornhusker mm-hmm. uh, through and through. Um, what, what did you study? Uh, I was actually an English major here at uh, UNL. University of Nebraska is what we called it back then, and uh, I was a history minor and uh, got a teaching certificate also. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
was the football team any good back then? I'm, I'm not from Nebraska, so I don't, I don't really? know. Really? Was the football team any good? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> there was no such thing as a football team that wasn't good. Right. <sighs> right. I apologize. That's correct. Um, and so from your, from your biography online, I, I see that law school uh, may have happened a couple of years after you graduated from undergrad. Did you, did you take any odd jobs in between? Were you in, in the armed services because Vietnam was going on? I actually taught school. Oh, yeah. I was a high school teacher in Papillion, Nebraska for what, what three years. English. English. Okay. And, and, um, and that, is that the reason that you went to law school? Is that you decided that teaching wasn't <laughs> the profession and <laughs> you wanted to go back? I think there, yeah, I, I think uh, I decided I did not want to do that forever. It was, it was very interesting and a wonderful, wonderfully responsible job for somebody just out of school. Uh, but uh, law school had other possibilities and uh, I was happy to give it a try. Was there anybody in particular in your life that that was uh, a push towards the career, the profession? Uh, well, parents, I think, are always important, uh, and actually, it would have been one of my grandfathers who suggested when I was really young uh, that uh, being a being a lawyer might be something that would uh, agree with my particular likes and dislikes. And how was law school back then at, at University of? Nebraska College, what is it, College of Law? That's the one. College of College Law, Law, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. How was it back then? Well, I was uh, among the very last folks to graduate from the downtown campus. Uh, so uh, it was a much physically smaller building, for example. Um, and um, certainly we were there were there were no um, there were no um, really plush surroundings. It was it was kind of Spartan actually, uh, but it was it was a, a great education, and I think probably similar in some ways at least uh, to uh, the kind of education kids get now. There was there was almost no clinical work being done then, All, very few clinical uh, opportunities. I don't recall any actually, so that would be a major difference. And now, I'm, I'm not sure when that change of came nationally or, or here in Nebraska. Um, when you went to school, was it one of these, we'll, we'll let you in and then you can either sink or swim and had a lot more people not, not graduating, it was the look to your left, look to your right. Uh, there was there was more of that. Yeah. Most of the people who entered law school when I did stayed on. Yeah. 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 Did you have any clerking experiences while in law school? I did. Yeah. I clerked for a small firm here in Lincoln. Okay. Yeah. And um, and then after after law school, you ended up at the county attorney's mm -hmm. office here in Lancaster County. I did. Yeah. And how was that experience? Well, it was really uh, it was gr a great experience. I actually did civil work for the county, uh, worked for the county board, gave advice to the county board, and um, six months out of six months, six years out of law school, I was the county attorney. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so from 
that the deputy job was just for the civil side, and mm -hmm. then you become county attorney, and you're covering all mm -hmm. aspects at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and and during your time as as county attorney, were there any hot button issues that you were getting into that? Well, there, that there, really are, there are always hot button issues at a county attorney's office. Uh, certainly, the Commonwealth uh, savings and loan uh, failure here in Lincoln was a major happening during during the years I was the county attorney here. Yeah, and and then on to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Yes, um, was that job in Omaha or was that here in Lincoln? It was uh, primarily in Omaha. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you've always you've always lived in Lincoln, right? Yes. Or since since right, you sure. were an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a highway. Long commute. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and during your time with the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, how was that working for the feds? Uh, great. Uh, they obviously have a lot of resources that uh, state and county governments don't have. So uh, it was. Uh, it was a wonderful experience, and uh, it obviously was uh, some exposure sort of to the national uh, level, and uh, it was a lot of fun and a, a lot of good work. <clears throat> and so then, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, in 2006, um, then Chief Justice, the I'm failing on his, on his name, he, he steps down. John Hendry. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Chief Justice Hendry. Mm -hmm. uh, Retires and you're appointed mm -hmm. uh, by then Governor Hyman right. to the Chief Justice role, not mm -hmm. only to the Supreme Court but to the Chief right. Justice role. Yes, and mm -hmm. and how was that appointment experience? How was that for you? How does it? <laughs> how do? How does it seem to you? How does it seem to everybody? Um, well, of course, that's a wonderful opportunity and. Uh, the appointment process is always uh, very interesting. Um, I admire anybody who applies for a judgeship uh, under this particular system. It's a great system, but it takes a little um, sense of adventure to put your name out uh, and to have people, the committees go over your credentials and so forth. Um, it's an interesting process. It's, it's got to be um, exciting and humbling and just downright scary at times, I, I would guess. All of the above. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so so coming on the court um, in 2006, and I'm, I'm looking at, at some of the other um, justices on the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and I see that they've had private bench experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're coming from, from the government side. Um, was there a steep learning curve, not only because of your chief justice duties, but also just just being on the on the bench for the first time? Uh, definite learning curve, uh, but uh, there were a lot of folks around here who were very very helpful. Everybody in the court was supportive and uh, appreciative of uh, the role of the chief justice, and, and really everybody was. Uh, so good and willing to uh, and willing to be of assistance that it wasn't as difficult as it, as it could have been. And for the listeners, can you give a just a thumbnail sketch of the scope of work that you do as the head of the judiciary branch in mm -hmm. the state of Nebraska? 
Well, first of all, and you know, the basic responsibility of the Supreme Court is to be the court of last resort uh, in the Nebraska judicial system. So, uh, as Chief Justice, uh, you have a responsibility to take a seventh of those cases, and every year the court does uh, about uh, 210 cases. So, you, I, I've always taken my uh, share of those cases. Uh, so that's very important. Uh, the Chief Justice also has the Chief Administrative Responsibilities for the system as a whole. We have employees in all 93 of Nebraska's counties uh, and all of the uh, responsibilities of um, a county court clerk system, the judges, uh, and so forth, all of the administrative side of that sort of thing ultimately is the responsibility of the Chief Justice. Now obviously everybody pitches in and helps, uh, everybody else on the court. We have a great court administrator, Corey Steele. We've got uh, all of the probation officers in Nebraska are employees of the Nebraska Supreme Court and uh, so we've got great uh, pro probation officers. Alan Burkowski is the uh, chief administrator of the uh, of the probation division. Uh, she is fabulous. She has uh, driven that program so that uh, both on the adult level and on a, in, ju in the juvenile justice area, there there is much more emphasis on uh, uh, community corrections putting fewer people behind bars and much more emphasis on trying to rehabilitate offenders. Mm -hmm. And how many, is, is there any estimate, how many employees um, that is altogether every second? Thousands? Tens of thousands? Uh, it's not, it is uh, more than a thousand, not quite two thousand employees. Oh. So lots of probation officers, probation has grown uh, that's the part of the part of the court system that has grown most in the last 10 years sure. uh, but also all of the county court uh, employees around the state of Nebraska are our employees uh, the court reporters and support staff our biggest number of employees is in the Douglas County Courthouse sure. Mm -hmm. sure. yeah and um, one thing that I, I've noticed since my, my time here in Nebraska uh, has been um, the digitization mm -hmm. of everything, the online mm -hmm. filing has really been a, a very large process. Mm -hmm. Lots of time, lots of money, lots mm -hmm. of manpower has been spent doing that, but it's certainly come a long way and much more efficient now. Uh, yes, uh, super progress in that area. Nebraska uh, has a, a, a statewide case management uh, 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 a statewide computerized case management system. Uh, E-filing uh, is a statewide uh, matter. Not every state has that, uh, and uh, so that that's been a big accomplishment uh, during the last ten years. Did you ever think that you'd be spending so much time with technology and the implementation of technology <laughs> in, in the law practice? <laughs> People who know me well know that I am not uh, the most advanced 
uh, person in the use of technology. Fortunately, there are great people around here who uh, who uh, do the bulk of that work. So yeah, yeah, it's always good to to find those those experts and and Absolutely. use them, right? <laughs> right, and we have, we've got a great uh, we've got a great uh, committee, a technology committee that. Uh, works on identifying projects for the future and implementing them and so forth. Uh, so that has worked out really well. And getting the Douglas County District Court on uh, board with everybody else, they were the very last, they were sort of holdouts in the statewide process, but I think everybody understands now that uh, that the statewide system is, is, a, uh, is a better way to go. Absolutely. I, I do remember that notorious um, drop-down menu with Douglas County not, not listed. <laughs> um, your time as Chief Justice really has uh, been one for a lot of progress. We, we talked about the, um, the online filing system, but there has been quite a number of things that you've um, helped move forward with, it, with the help of others. but. I, I just want to sort of run through a few of them if I can mm -hmm. for, for the listeners and, and get your your take on it um, on some of these things that you've done. The uh, one of the first ones when uh, you came into your role was this um, pro se litigants helping them through the mm -hmm. volunteer self help desks mm -hmm. um, and then the limited scope representation mm -hmm. um, guidelines and. and mm -hmm and rules on that, um, which continues to this day to, to be a huge help to those people who can't necessarily afford a full um, full price attorney. Mm -hmm. I guess that's maybe not mm -hmm. the right term, but um, full representation. And that process, um, maybe through some fits and starts, has, has continued to grow and, and help. Mm -hmm. uh, where, where do you see that today? Um, all these years later from where it started? Well, first of all, I should say that I am in the fortunate position of, of getting credit for what other people do. <laughs> so uh, all of that uh, business, uh, the self-help desks, and all of the emphasis on pro bono uh, work, and uh, all of the emphasis on uh, helping the people who try to help themselves or represent themselves or can't afford a lawyer, all of that had really started before I became the Chief Justice. Uh, the Bar Association was uh, a big part of that, the, the Nebraska State Bar Association, and lots of volunteers in individual communities. So uh, that certainly has continued and expanded now. We have something we call the Access to Justice Committee which has enveloped a number of access kinds of issues, including uh, the self-represented folks. So I, I see that continuing. Uh, we have we have to improve uh, some of the uh, self-help desks around uh, the state. We need more volunteers, and, and we need a way to sustain those, but. The emphasis, I think, has shifted a little bit to online help for people so that uh, they, can, they can get some assistance from attorneys by going to their computer, and the attorneys likewise don't have to go down to a courthouse. They can 
you know they can be of they can do pro bono work uh, in the evenings and weekends and so forth. And I, I've, on that point, I've I've heard from Anna Marks, who's at the State Bar mm-hmm. Volunteer Lawyers Project, that this this free uh, legal answers online mm-hmm. is really doing well. There was actually a pizza party the other day mm-hmm. um, down at the, the uh, school college of law here in Lincoln, mm-hmm. and they. They um, had some attorneys and law students sitting around the computer answering questions a couple hours. Then sure. they out right. 20, 20 mm-hmm. um, legal questions. It was, um, mm-hmm. it was a pretty neat process, and that online system uh, seems to be working pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it makes more efficiency mm-hmm. um, for people who have questions downstate. They sure. can get connected with attorneys that um, have the experience, have the knowledge um, that may be in different areas of the mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the online forms. I think mm-hmm. that that's been an ongoing, expanding Absolutely. Um, list of forms that have been helpful for right. pro se yes. litigants and for the self help desk to to have those on file. Sure, we have hundreds of forms. It's it's amazing. It's and, even and for attorneys um, right. in their yes. practice. It's, Ab- absolutely, it's great. And uh, many of them are in Spanish, also. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that is a bit more recent: um, cameras in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long the cameras have been live streaming for the Court of Appeals and Supreme Court mm-hmm. arguments. Um, that, that's that been for a few years at least. Uh, at least five, yes. And mm-hmm. the archive is wonderful. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. resource to mm-hmm. go back, listen to, even watch some of those sure. uh, those arguments. I, as an attorney, really do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, mm-hmm. Because if it helps me in my practice. If you're going to practice in front of the Supreme Court or the Court of Appeals, if you've got... Uh, Oral arguments. Uh, I strongly advise that you spend at least a little bit of time looking at uh, the archived material we have there. Absolutely. And more recently, there's been an opening up of cameras in the trial courtroom. Absolutely. Yes. Um, that's kind of an ongoing mm-hmm. um, project that's mm-hmm. uh, been utilized somewhat with the local news outlets coming in and mm-hmm. getting it on their 9 mm-hmm. o'clock, 10 o'clock newscasts. Right. Not necessarily a, a full investigation of, of what's going on there in the courtrooms like the oral arguments. Right. Um, and that that's, that, we're still working on that, right? Still working on it, but I'm really proud of the trial court judges who uh, some of them had been experimenting with it for years. And then the committee was sort of put together uh, to really get it over the goal line, if you will. And uh, so we have uniform rules around the state. And uh, I think most of our judges, not all of them, but most of them have accepted this as the sort of uh, 20th or 21st century uh, uh, outreach that we, we really need to make. Uh, and they're happy to do it and pleased with it. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, sunshine is, is good for all, right? I mean, sunshine is good, and, and uh, it, I think it's wonderful that the public sees, on the, as you noted, the 9 or 10 o'clock news, they see actual judges, and uh, they have more of an appreciation for the importance of judges and the importance of courts. I think also, perhaps I'm speaking out of turn here, but the local news uh, organizations have appreciated maybe a little bump in 
viewership since they've. I hope put they those, have. <laughs> <laughs> put those cameras in there. I hope they have. Um, and I, I frankly, I would encourage uh, our courts, for example, in the county courts that have arraignments. I would encourage them to webcast those the way that we webcast our our oral arguments. I think that would be a great resource for law students and for, for young mm -hmm. attorneys to see mm -hmm. um, more more of those things going on just mm -hmm. simply for the practice um, and, and I, I understand um, the arguments on that is that not every you don't want everything showing up and there could mm -hmm. be some some gotcha moments that aren't fair mm -hmm. on the whole thing but um, but I, I if I can't be in the courtroom watching it I'd love to, to turn on the, the computer and see sure. It. Um, problem-solving courts. Mm -hmm. it, there's been quite a, a move, um, even very recently, with the Veterans Court um, mm -hmm. to to expand problem-solving courts. Can, mm -hmm. can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, actually, over the lunch hour, I was just on a conference call with the Problem-Solving Court Committee. Uh, Judge Doyle out in Lexington has been the chair of that committee and does a fabulous job. Um, but it the committee has representation from all around the state uh, and there's a huge emphasis on um, uniform uh, rules and accountability and professionalism which is just extremely important uh, and the, the judges have this is something they have really picked up on themselves and are doing a great job with so that group is looking at reentry courts. We have uh, two experimental reentry courts now, one in Sarpy County, one in Hall County. Uh, and they are looking at DUI courts. They are looking at uh, further expansion of the veterans courts uh, and uh, mental health courts are uh, an issue sort of looming out there also. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of future for problem-solving courts. Uh, they take a lot of resources, they take a lot of judicial time, so that's going to need to be a commitment that is made uh, not just by our judges and the judicial system, but the legislature ultimately uh, will have to fund that. And, and to that point, one of the largest not battles, but one of the largest things that you deal with every year is the budget mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. judicial branch, right? And presenting that to the governor and to the legislature, mm -hmm. um, and you, you don't always see eye to eye with them mm -hmm. on that. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's always limited resources for, for everything, and, sure. and you're putting in your requests. And um, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to to run a branch of the government and have to ask, not beg, but ask kindly. Some begging. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for that funding and, and when that funding doesn't come through necessarily for what you want, um, it, it causing uh, problems for, for your administration of, of a branch of government. Sure. One of the ways, actually the best way to make sure we get adequate funding is to make sure we do things like have cameras in the courts so people can appreciate what the courts do. Uh, Problem-solving courts, uh, they uh, are now very much appreciated by the legislature because they're an alternative to incarceration. 
and uh, one of the major things that the legislature and governors have devoted themselves to in the last decade is how do we deal with the prison overcrowding situation? Well, one of the ways you deal with that is really the only way is to is to do a lot more uh, community corrections efforts, and that includes problem-solving courts, and it includes probation, and the courts have really, uh, more than the other two branches of government, have taken taken it upon themselves to actually implement the ideas of community corrections. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about spending maybe a bit more on resources, judicial resources at the beginning, mm. for a better outcome that, that in the end does save right. money right. on the whole. And, and we actually save money for the executive branch. Uh, and uh, so uh, if we can do a good job that getting back to the budget, that helps us when we go into to uh, the Appropriations Committee and, and present our case for uh, adequate funding for the court system. Um, looking at the practice of law and how it's shifted mm -hmm. maybe from your early years in practice through through what you see now, what what are the big things that, that have changed over time, but what are the things that you see that stay the same? Big well, questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the legal system is sort of built on the idea of... of um, looking to the past and, and solving problems by looking at uh, past cases and uh, so forth, the common law. Uh, so that remains the same. What has changed, I think, and will change greatly is uh, there is a much greater emphasis in most of the world on accountability and uh, how are we um, responding to our consumers. Uh, so uh, that is why we now have mandatory continuing legal education. Uh, that is why we have a very active uh, disciplinary program for lawyers. And the emphasis there has uh, shifted from punishing people who write the rules to positive uh, uh, educational programs and, and positive ways to get to make sure that lawyers are accountable and that they are doing a good job for their clients. Um, and as I said, that will be increasing uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, in England, for example, the discipline of lawyers is um, is uh, is the responsibility of a of a kind of national board the majority of which is made up of non-lawyers well uh, we're not going to get to uh, that anytime soon but I think the idea behind all that is that lawyers need to be accountable to their clients and to the public because they perform such an important job. Uh, so there's, there, there will be more uh, emphasis on that in the future. And I know one of the, the most recent changes to the continuing education requirements, the technology mm -hmm. uh, requirement, I believe it's one, one hour mm -hmm. of technology education every year mm -hmm. here in Nebraska. 
which um, if you're an attorney and you don't know about using technology in your practice in an effective manner, mm-hmm. you, you could be um, really failing your clients. Certainly, and I think that's a particularly difficult generational kind of thing. Folks who are my age have a lot more problem with that, but it's a problem that we all have to face and deal with. Absolutely. Um, I know that some of the people listening to the podcast are are young attorneys who really would love to get some advice from you Mm -hmm. on how they should go about their practice, their careers, somebody who's been in it, who's seen it from the highest levels, what what is your suggestion and advice for them? Well, my first advice is to work hard. Chances are you will be successful if you are someone who is willing to devote uh, a lot of time to the profession. This is not a 40-hour-a-week profession, and I think you have to recognize that when you go to law school and when, uh, and when you start as a young person you need to understand that uh, obviously life requires balances and you as a young person you'll be raising a family and so forth but you have to understand that you're in a profession that takes uh, it's going to take a big chunk of your time and you have to uh, you have to respond accordingly you need to be involved with the Omaha Bar Association, the State Bar Association, with your communities. Uh, the more involvement that you have, the more clients you're going to have, the more respect you're going to have in your community, uh, and, uh, and the better you're going to feel about your professionalism uh, and your confidence, your ability to be a leader in the community. Going back to when you were a young attorney, why why did you join the county attorney's office here in, in Lancaster? Was that was that the opportunity that presented itself, or did you did you pursue that? It was kind of the opportunity that presented itself. I certainly didn't go to law school thinking, boy, I really want to work in the Lancaster County Attorney's Office. Uh, it was uh, it was something I I didn't have any real concrete. Uh, plans so it fit into the idea that it was a good job it was an interesting job and it was available I I love that I mean because Mm -hmm. it it, on paper it looks so this is perfect this is exactly what you'd want to do to become Chief Justice of the Nebraska Supreme Court someday and it was it was it was one that was available it wasn't necessarily a a predestined uh, definitely not (laughs) Um, so, in terms of you talked about balance, what other than running the judicial branch and, and the Supreme Court here, what what do you like to do in your downtime? What's your, what are your hobbies and interests? Oh, I, I tend toward the uh, uh, a little bicycling, a little running, uh, always some exercise kinds of things, and uh, time with friends and uh, family and so forth. Great. Mm-hmm. Are, are you a triathlete? Have you done some triathlons? I have not, no. I, I, I've always done half marathons, a um, little bicycling, but not triathlon. Not triathlons, <laughs> certainly not at my age. Well, the, the, the swimming always scares me. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I'm I, not a swimmer. Yeah. The, the court system and the legal profession are facing uh, 
pretty large challenges. People want to get their, in regard to the legal profession, people want to get their information from a computer uh, and they want it done quickly and they want it done inexpensively. So the profession has to uh, accommodate that and adjust to that and that is happening whether we like it or not. You, you have all kinds of uh, sort of national computerized legal advice uh, efforts going on and, and, and that increasingly uh, will mean that local practitioners have to adapt uh, to somehow accommodate that model. On the judicial side, we too need to modernize. In Nebraska, like in most states, our judicial system is really built on a 1900, 1890s model, uh, and the legal profession needs to provide the leadership uh, to get our courts into the 21st century. If we don't do it, people who are not lawyers will impose it upon us because our budget challenges are going to be uh, only greater in the upcoming years, regardless of whether or not we have uh, lean years or not so lean years. Uh, the demands on the budget are, are going to be great, particularly to provide for baby boomers, uh, and the the courts are going to have to are going to find that they are marginalized in the state budget process, and we're going to have to be able to adapt to that. And if you can't answer this, this is fine. But I assume with having county courts and court clerks in mm -hmm. every single county in mm -hmm. Nebraska, that's a huge expense. Mm -hmm. um, I come from North Dakota, there's mm -hmm. been a consolidation mm -hmm. there in, mm -hmm. in certain counties. I, I'm guessing that that may be one of many things that, that is going to be looked at um, as Absolutely. I, I think it's a very legitimate. We've got 93 courthouses with 93 county courts and 93 district courts. It's a very legitimate question to ask, do we need all of those facilities? Sure. And, you know, on the issue of um, the looking for information online, wanting information, what, what I call kind of the flattening of the billable hour model mm -hmm. to how we provide our, um, our professional services, uh, I think that there may be a way to look at it that we're adding value in our council if we can say, okay, you you have a will, great, we'll do the will for you, but we need to look at the whole thing. There's more mm -hmm. legal things here that we can bring mm -hmm. council to. So mm -hmm. if you're going to go online and just find that will and, and think that that's everything, mm -hmm. you, you'd be shortchanged on some level. And to bring in, instead of thinking that, oh, my business is, I do will, 20% of the practice is wills and just that's money. Is the person comes in, you give them the consultation, you tell them more about tax planning, estate planning, the will, also business development. You give them more mm -hmm. counsel maybe mm -hmm. on a wider scale and just thinking about delivering that in maybe a different way and different level than traditionally mm -hmm. done. There's, I think there's a way through it. I think we can figure it out. Absolutely, sure. It's 
it just right. we have to kind of separate ourselves from where we've been necessarily, right? Right. Yeah. You have to pay attention to the word counselor. Right. Um, so exactly, you're not just filling out uh, uh, spaces on a form. Will uh, there are all kinds of things, as you mentioned, since you're talking about wills and so forth, that are related to that, that are really life. Bigger moments in life relating to that, and then if you res uh, make a uh, build a relationship with somebody who walked into your office and and uh, wanted a will, uh, they will come back to you for other things uh, because everybody needs legal help at some point in time. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and instead of asking that question to a computer because they don't have a relationship with anybody, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having having that relationship and asking that question, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I want to thank you for your time, uh, Your Honor, to sit down with me and chat a little bit with the mm -hmm. Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk podcast. We're looking forward to giving you Robert M. Spire Public Service Award in the coming weeks at the Law Day Lunch. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time, and I really, I greatly appreciate the award, and I appreciate this opportunity. <laughs>